Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RefCoach. I'm Jack and as always, I'm joined by Ale. On this podcast, we show the humans behind the whistle through the eyes of referees past and present, as well as the broader footballing world. Our guest today is Vicky Allen. Vicky is a Scottish FIFA system referee. She has officiated in the UEFA Women's Champions League, as well as the Scottish Women's Premier Division. As well as this, Vicky is a Scottish referee and youth ambassador and supporter of Wigwood Playing Field, an organisation who challenges gender equality in sport. You may recognise Vicky's last name. She's the daughter of Crawford Allen, who was a guest on My Life on the Line a few episodes ago. We chat with Vicky about her experience with Equal Playing Field. Her first experience with them was refereeing a match at Mount Kilimanjaro, which is the world record for the highest altitude match ever, which is just amazing. She hiked all the way up there. They took all the equipment up, including the goals, and then uh, played and officiated a match up there. It's epic. Such a cool story. As well as that, she officiated the match played at the lowest altitude ever at the Dead Sea in Jordan. So a double world record holder. Pretty cool. We also chat with Vicky about lots of other topics around refereeing in Scotland. I think what stood out most to us about Vicky was her passion and excitement for refereeing. She truly is an incredible role model for referees across the world. And don't forget, boots made on purpose for women, Jack, that you were really excited about. Yes, I did find that very, very interesting. That is true. Let's get on with the show. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Okay, which one's that? Hey, Vicky. Hi. How are you going? Vicky. All right, how are you? Not too bad. Oh, we can hear you much better this time. That is definitely a good thing. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Rocking, rocking the AirPods. Jackie's a massive fan of AirPods. Don't let him start otherwise. <laughs> He'll tell you how it's the best thing that has ever been inve- invented. And Steve Jobs would say it just works, doesn't it? Yeah, you've heard that story many a time. Trust yeah. me, it's not an, not an exciting one, Vicky, so we won't bore you with that. <laughs> no, it's all right. I always lose them, though, actually. I put them through the washing machine once by mistake. That was... Um, a and very, they still work? It was like... I was just... I just put the washing machine on, and I, it was just after lockdown started last year, and I was like, it's a really loud noise coming from a washing machine, and I'd just gone into a meeting, and I was like... <gasps> It's my AirPods. They're in the washing machine. So then I was on the meeting and I had to mute really quickly and tell my partner. I was like, they're in the washing machine. So he then tried to um, like um, empty it and everything. And we just put them in rice overnight and they still work. So um, wow, see, wow. they are the best, the best. <laughs> and Apple, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, please. <laughs> uh, send us an email. At hello, hello. Thank you. <laughs> So, Vicky, I'd love to start by talking about something which I think is amazing and you probably get asked about it all the time, but your game on Mount Kilimanjaro, that is so cool. Uh, You must be like, what, there was uh, 24 of you up there playing, you know, involved in the game or something or a few more. So you're one of 24 or 25 people to referee the game on Mount Kilimanjaro. That's just epic um yeah how did it start how did you get there what was it like I've just been waiting all week to ask this question yeah it's um it was pretty cool and very very unexpected so I had applied to become um we started a new program at the Scottish FA called Youth Ambassadors of Change uh, and I had applied for it for the kind of referee and ambassador um obviously for me and got the role 
and um, was getting into it and they kind of said to me, what, what are your interests? What are you passionate about? Obviously, I'm really passionate about ref education and getting referees in. But being a female, one of the key things for me, obviously, is about um, getting more females in the game as well. I think it's really important. Yeah, so I'd said that to them in about um, May. And the next day, I got a phone call. And the way the Scottish FA worked, a guy called Drew used to phone you up. when I, And also, I just got my FIFA badge in the January. Um, so I was very new to all this still. And um, my phone went, and it wasn't Drew but it was one of the other guys called Tommy and he was like, would you be available for an appointment in uh, three weeks time? Uh, and it's a week long. And I was like, oh, that's a bit an unusual <laughs> length. And I was like, um, yeah, yeah. Have you got any more details, anything um, I can look at? And he was like, well, yeah, it's a bit unusual. Um, it's climbing Kilimanjaro and hopefully playing a game of football at the top. And I think I was on the bus from work. And you can just <laughs> imagine that I was like, what <laughs> moment of, um yeah did you say three weeks <laughs> um so yeah so essentially I then had three weeks to train to uh, climb a mountain and um yeah my training does not normally really involve mountain you had to climbing. climb the mountain oh yeah you actually yeah, yeah, walked yeah. up it <laughs> yeah yeah we had I, to... I don't know I thought like didn't they yeah. like fly you up or something no 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 so um <laughs> so yeah so for the next three weekends but obviously um being you know not COVID times I had things on those weekends and I had work still nine to five job and blah blah and I was like how am I honestly going to like prepare to climb this mountain so um I went with my dad Crawford Allen and climbed like our local hills which are like 1,000 feet that's it like and Kilimanjaro is 20,000 so this was like <laughs> completely different but I was like I at least need to go buy some walking boots and like test and, and, and start getting ready so um so yeah so for the three weeks before and I think I had like a weekend away somewhere so really my training was rubbish um so yeah flew to Kilimanjaro met with equal playing field so the the whole point in the game um it was to raise awareness of a uh, gender inequality in sports um, and obviously this time in football um, and, you know, climbing mountains every day. And and it was a really, really eye-opening trip and it was unbelievable for all different reasons, climbing the mountain, what we saw, but just getting to know these incredible women. So I think, oh, well, I think in total there was about 60 of us from memory, including, you know, support people, because we also had to carry up the goals. So full size football goals. They were carried up the mountain as well. Um, well, we, not like not like a not like a normal metal post. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like normal metal heavy. goals that came up with us. Yeah, just in different parts. So it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So um, ob- like we had them um, get professional porters and things like that to help us climb. Like as any kind of um, folk do for climbing these kind of mountains yeah I was I was not personally like three weeks in trying to climb like carrying this um, you got three weeks to train to carry a a goalpost up Mount Kilimanjaro how does that sound yes I'm me up (laughs) I know I know so um so yes I've met these incredible women who were from all over and and the really nice key thing about it was it was all different sports levels so you had amateurs you had also um, gold medalist winners. So we had Laurie Lindsay um, from the US, Rachel Unit, who um, used to play for England, um, and so many more girls from Saudi, girls from Jordan, Australia. 
we had everywhere. So one of the founders is actually, at the time, she's now um, back in Europe, but Laura, um, she was living, I think, um, and I'm probably going to get it wrong, and I'm probably going to get in trouble, but um, Melbourne. And um, so, yeah, so, so she was living there. Um, but it had to to break the world record, because this is the other point, raising awareness, was it's the highest football um, in the world. So um, it had to be FIFA official. And that's where the FIFA referees came into it. So I was just really lucky. I think right time, right place. <laughs> Fantastic like opportunity. So and got to meet. So I went with my colleague Morag um, from Scotland. So she was the referee and I was AR1. And then we had um, another official from Switzerland. And then um, we had another two from Rwanda and Tanzania. So just uh, an amazing experience. And yeah, it was just unbelievable like I say the stories you know I think that the gender equality we have like I'm I felt really it's still it's still not right as in oh yeah sorry we don't have changing rooms for you so here's a broom cupboard when I was first coming through it's not not like that anymore I would say but yeah when I first started it was pretty bad you know oh we don't have female kit it's only men's kit you know things like that but some of the girls I was meeting from from Saudi and and that kind of area of the world, the stories were just unbelievable. Like not even allowed to play football and and all that kind of stuff, and it's just not even allowed to attend a football game. Like yeah, it was really really eye opening stuff, and it was just unbelievable to hear their stories. So yeah, so that was climbing the mountain, and it was absolutely horrendous, but we got to the top <laughs> <laughs> eventually after seven days. The climb, the day of the last ascent up into the crater. So we played it the way that Kilimanjaro is, is it's a crater. So you have to climb up and then kind of go down a bit again. Um, so the last um, ascent, uh, you have to get up at two in the morning. And the reasons for that is because it's cold and the ground's normally like, it's, I'm probably going to get the wrong word, but like silt. So it just like would crumble under your feet as you're climbing because it's so cold, it's made it compact and solid. So you basically are just starting at 2 a.m. and you just look up and I was not one of the last groups, maybe in the middle. And it's just like a snake the whole way up of like head torches climbing up this mountain. And it's just just mm. so weird and surreal. Um, and it takes eight hours to climb up into the crater. So you climb that bit, which was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I think I nearly, I didn't think I was going to make it. And um, one of the funny things about the kind of uh, trip as well was, and maybe not quite understanding the refereeing part, was um, like I say, there was, myself and Emily are from Switzerland um, and we were the two ARs but they brought three referees and we were like but what if Emily and I don't make it and they were like yeah uh -huh. but one of the referees can just jump in we were like yeah but they're not FIFA assistant referees they're FIFA referees and I think it just dawned on them and obviously in a game if that did happen they, they could go on but we were like but this is you're going to actually get there and then start the game without so Emily and I it was a lot of pressure. We were like, we need to make sure we we get we get up to the top. And um, throughout the trip, I'd had really really bad um, altitude sickness. Um, I'd been trying to take like tablets, malaria tablets, and things like that to to combat it all. Um, but yeah, eight hours. I'd had my Haribo at one point to kind of get more sugar in <laughs> me. Um, your water bladder froze and things like that because it's so cold. Oh, honestly, it was horrendous. But got to the the top of the crater and there was tears. It was like oh, a really emotional moment. Like everybody was like, we've made it. Like now, now we just, you know, have the small thing of having to play a football match in the crater. Um, so climb back down again, had to make the football pitch, set up the goals. So the football pitch was made with flour. Um, 
because obviously it's a natural environment. We can't ruin it. So the lines were made for flower, <laughs> measured out to FIFA, FIFA standards. Uh, corner flags were um, walking poles because uh, they're one and a half meters. Yeah. So, you know, perfect. So put the flag on um, um, and uh, it's fine. And then, yeah, played the 90-minute game of football, which is the equivalent at that altitude of about a four-hour match. Oh, my God. So you've already played eight hours. You're now doing four hours of football. So it's just, yeah. And I remember at one point, I think we had comms kit. I'm trying to remember back now. Maybe we didn't. But I just remember Morag at one point screaming over to me because I'd gone all the way down to signal a goal kick. And she was like, Vicky, stop. Like, just signal, like, wherever you are, because, like, you'll be exhausted if you do the whole game of, like, <laughs> running down the whole way to the corner flag or the um, or, or the goal um, line, you know, signal a goal kick. Uh, and I was just, it's just the funny things that you didn't think about, because you're just thinking, yeah. you're just doing a football game. Um, but, yeah, it's a bit different when you're you're doing it at the top of Kilimanjaro, and it's a bit, bit less oxygen. There's oxygen tanks at the side for the players, um, so they can yeah, get oxygen and things like that. Yeah. Um, like in, in my head, I just see this little pitch on top of the mountain and all these balls <laughs> just falling like all these kilometers down and oh, balls yeah. getting lost. Like, so that was the good thing about the crater, but we did have like proper uh, ball, ball people, you know, running about getting the balls back and bringing so we could just run with it because, yeah, 90 minutes was, was 90 minutes. Um, but yeah, and it, it's, I think it's really um, funny. So I think it was nil nil. And the people that were like, it's the most exciting nil-nil game though I've ever been on because it was just amazing. One girl missed a one-on-one with the keeper, so she was like devastated. She's actually now the um, general manager at, at Lewes um, down in down in England. Um, oh yeah, so. yeah, they're huge with um, parity, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they yeah. pay their males so, and females equally. Exactly. So yeah, so she wasn't at the time, but she is now the general manager down there, um, and uh, she missed a one-on-one with the keeper, so she was gutted she's like how how did i miss it um but then they did say no because that's not actually quite the top of the mountain yet mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's just the crater and they'd said to us before we started climbing they were 90 percent if you won't actually make it to the top because if you think you've done eight hours four hours game you're going to be exhausted but actually we were running on such an adrenaline high we were like nah not come all this way and not climbing to the top. So probably about 90% of us then went on after the game to then climb wow. another hour and a half up the mountain, which was like vertical um, oh, wow. up. And it was just unbelievable. Got to the top, glaciers at the top. Um, just unbelievable experience, yeah. And I had to climb back down. But, you know, we got <laughs> to the top and you're like, that's it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, still got like an hour, two hours. Down. But it only takes an hour or two hours down because downhill not uphill but um yeah unbelievable experience that's amazing i'm just looking at the pictures here and you've got you know the i don't know if it's beanies or thick headbands and Mm. gloves and the long sleeves and you can see you've got the thermals underneath it's just uh, you can see the snow in the background it's oh it's just amazing it was just unbelievable it was probably kind of equivalent to like beach football not i don't really have because of the sand in the soil yeah (laughs) Yeah, we don't really have beach football in Scotland, so it was like my first kid. But um, but yeah, that was what some of the players were kind of um, comparing it to, because yeah, it's like the volcanic ash um, that we, that we were playing on. So yeah, just unbelievable. And then it was all very nervy, and it was like you know we we recorded everything, and 
um, taking down all the measurements and we had um, a FIFA observer there as well. Actually, she's Australian. I can't remember her name now for the life of me. I feel really bad. Um, but yeah, she came and was observing as well to make sure, you know, it was all FIFA standard. And um, it was, yeah, the nervy wait after to see if um, Guinness World Records would approve it. And they did. So it was... Um, absolutely unbelievable um and yeah got the got my got my name in the, the world record book so it's fantastic amazing. wow and so, so that was your first fifa appointment as well because you just got I'd your had one i'd had one yeah i'd had one appointment that was it but like yeah this was just completely different and it was the different ends of the scale as well because morag was still fifa but she actually i think retired at the end of the year so it was quite nice for us like me in my first year her coming to the end of her fifa career you know um, I, I don't even know how many years um, but it was definitely double digits for Norak so um, unbelievable and she kind of led the way in Scotland as well for female refereeing she was mm-hmm. the very first um, you know we've got um, other amazing females as well now Lorraine and then Kylie and stuff kind of leading the way in Scotland but um, Morag was the one who led the path so it was really nice to, to do it with her and have that experience um, share a tent for seven days I'm sure neither of us ever wants to do that again <laughs> nothing <laughs> against each other but yeah um, freezing cold and, and everything but yeah just amazing experience epic I, I don't think I mean you know I'm sure you've got goals for your career and we'll talk about those later but I'm, I'm not sure if this will ever be beaten I don't know what you think oh no it, it was totally just a, a, surreal, a surreal experience I actually kind of look back now and still kind of think did that actually happen did I spend <laughs> nine days climbing up and down a mountain and played a game of football at the top and met all, like I say, met all these amazing women. Um, and, and we did meet up again because we then broke the world record um, a year later for the lowest game of football in the world. So we did that one a year later as well down um, beside the Dead Sea in Jordan. So that was cool as well. But I think, yeah, Kilimanjaro was just up there, funnily enough. Literally up there. <laughs> but you went from the from the high to the low, and I imagine the the one in the Dead Sea in, in Jordan would have been a bit easier to get to and access. Yeah, well, you, you say that. So I think equal playing field. I, I love the I love the organisation. I'm like I say, I've met so many amazing people and the connections we've made and stuff as well. Like um, just a kind of a bit of a side story as well. Laura and and Ben, they actually in, yeah in Australia as well they've created kind of the first, well, not the first female football boot, but the kind of, hopefully what we'll see is maybe like the first wide female football boot. Because, you know, you go into a store and you look at Adidas and it's football boots. Yeah. And you're like, is that men? Is that women? Is that, or, you know, you have your kids section. They don't separate it out. Um, And there are female football boots for, you know, these big brands, but they're very, very hard to get hold of. Whereas Ben and Laura created this, um, female football boot which I just think is amazing because female feet are completely different and these are the kind of connections that we were making like Laura's like making boots and you know there's other people that are going to like the UN or going to work at FIFA and like incredible um humans um so yeah so we went to Jordan we don't like to do anything by half so um and and equal playing fields all about leaving that legacy and leaving the story behind because we're not just about going and breaking world records and going well, that was great. Let's leave that there. <laughs> Happy days. That's it done. We um we walked. Oh, I think it was like ninety kilometers over three days or something like that. But like we're talking hills. We're talking. You're thinking downhill to the Dead Sea. No, no. 
this was also it was up there with Kelly actually some of these walks um, wow. but what we did was we did them um, football camps in between each bit so oh, we amazing. went to like oh that's awesome we went to Wadi Ram and Petra and, and some of the kind of more um, deprived areas in Jordan and yeah again just some of the most humbling experiences ever. One of them was um, actually, we, I think it was the second or the third football camp. So we were also teaching. So I kind of thought, what am I going to teach? And they were like, no, no, we want to do a referee section. So we did have kind of like, we made like a penalty decision thing because the girls were really young. Some, I think the ages were maybe between like five and 13. There were some older girls. And, you know, we maybe just made up some like fake penalty decision, kind of run into the box and shout penalty with the whistle. And, and that was kind of it. Or, um, and we did an AR station where we gave them um, a cone and we had flags and we were like, right, what's a, a throw in? What's offside? Things like that. So it was really nice. And I said, oh, where's today's camp? And they said, oh, it's at Camel Racing Track. And I just thought it was a really weird name for like a place. No, no, we got there. It was like, horse racing but for camels um and a desert track around and there was camels practicing running around and everything but so it was just so weird and um we're yeah in front of the stands obviously must be the kind of area where the spectators stand but we were using that as kind of our our area to play but yeah it was on a desert that's amazing did you have to carry the goalposts uh, this time around as well (laughs) Thankfully, no. Thankfully, no, they yeah, put yeah, them on camels. Surely, yeah, they put them on camels, camels yeah. running oh. around the track. Yeah, running around. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we we um were um, running these sessions, and and it was quite. This one was just felt felt different from the off. Um, there was cars just outside with like big machine guns. Um, Enjoying. facing us. Yeah. And I was totally like, what, what's going on? And there was like all the little girls stood up and like, it was like, just like a, a tsunami of girls coming, like hundreds of girls. And I was like, this is the biggest class we've done. Do we have enough like people? And and like, and you know, when you're just trying to coach and you're like, I, I'm not like, I obviously do the referee coaching in Scotland, yeah. but when you become a referee, you're in a sixties and you know, you have. Uh, control a little bit whereas these were like little five-year-olds and they kept running off of the ball and I was like come back come back (laughs) stop it Um, and and trying to remain professional and calm I found out at the end though that we had signed up the class I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head now but the class was meant to be for 70 Mm. 270 showed up but they actually wanted to send 800 (laughs) and we were like sorry what and then I, I found out that it wasn't just the first time that they'd played football mm. it wasn't just the first time that they'd seen a football it was the first time they've ever been allowed to play outside because in this area the females are seen as um they should just automatically start learning the household tasks oh and should be and honestly it absolutely broke my heart when I looked back and it was so emotional and it was kind of one of these turning points that you're like actually do you know what we are doing something really important here and really leaving a legacy um and yeah that was really emotional actually it really got me and still yeah still to the day I kind of think back and think these are the things I want to kind of do and really help just allow people to have that experience um and and, and experience kind of having fun and playing football and everybody should have that opportunity yeah so yeah so that was amazing and then we did the game at the Dead Sea which didn't have to carry goalposts for because um actually um the the royal family I think Prince Ali, I think, and um, he um, he was really passionate about women's football, and he actually donated a football pitch. 
Oh wow! So he, built, he built, yeah. But again, we were like, we want this to be a leave and uh, leave a legacy. So it's actually built at kind of one of the poorer bits beside the Dead Sea. Um. So and it it's called the Equal Playing Field. Oh, um, and it's to ensure that girls and boys have the opportunity to use it in the local community as well. So, um, much easier to run on, much easier to fish on. The only <laughs> problem for me being Scottish was it's very hot. That was about the only <laughs> thing that time. So, um, so no, but yeah, another another amazing experience. That is epic! Wow, what a I mean, two games that you will talk about for the rest of your life, let alone the rest 100%. of your career. You know, you'll be able to. Yeah when you have grandkids or whatever you know you'll be able to say hey they'll say oh tell me a cool story and you go oh well <laughs> once upon a time yeah oh honestly it was yeah I, I, like i say it's totally surreal i do kind of look back and go did that really happen especially like with everything going on in the last year i'm like did i really go to kilimanjaro and climb a mountain and <laughs> now you know i can't even leave my house so it's uh so <laughs> the difference oh. a few years can make Oh, the comparison! Yeah. I wish people, I wish people could see our faces in the podcast because Jack and I are just here, like na- nailed to the screen with our with our jaws kind of dropped. Being like, it's been twenty minutes that we've started talking and we heard about this stuff, and we're like, oh dear, it puts everything in perspective. Yeah. Amazing, everything. You've heard Vicky talk about equal playing field and the exciting projects to work on. If you want to find out more about the games Vicky refereed or the great work they do, visit equalplayingfield.global or search them on the social media. So I read somewhere, Vicky, that you said your parents were kind of shocked when you told them you wanted to referee. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you've obviously had my dad on the podcast before, Crawford Allen. So, um, yes. so he started refereeing um, the year I was born, I think. So I've kind of always grown up with it. And um, my mum also worked in football as well. Um, so she worked for kind of one of the big football clubs in Edinburgh and then eventually actually moved over to the other one. I'm sure they would be delighted to know that because they're <laughs> definitely rivals. But um, but yeah, so then she left and moved on Um and actually went completely out of football into a different career. But yeah, for uh, 10, 10 years of my life, the very beginning, it was just football, dad's, dad's referee and doing his day job, whatever. And mum on a Saturday is going to the football and, and doing all the kind of admin stuff at that end. And yeah, I got to 16, which is the age in Scotland that you can start um, refereeing. And I kind of said to my friends, oh, I could go and learn to be a referee now because I'm 16. Um, and it was just a very nonchalant comment, like, oh, I could just go and do it. And they were like, but girls don't referee. And I was totally like, oh, sorry. Whoa, stop there. Like, no, no, no. We don't say that. And then, yeah, I went and told my mom and dad. And, yeah, they were kind of shocked as well because, yeah, I've never been, like, I don't have a team. I don't genuinely, like, people are always like, you must have a team. And I'm like, nah, not really. Because dad was always refereeing. So it's not like I was going to that same club all the time you know mum went to the two different yeah. clubs who yeah. were rivals so like I never had like a team I just used to like watching football um so they were kind of shocked and I think my dad was like right okay and there wasn't and there's still not obviously loads of female referees but there wasn't really that many female referees I think there was Morag that I mentioned earlier and and Lorraine and stuff but they weren't quite high enough mm-hmm. yet to be you know widely known especially to me for someone who just watched top top league football really um or followed my dad around the, the lower leagues but yeah I wasn't really seeing any females and I think he's like right okay well 
I'll support her and, and we'll see how it goes. And yeah, I went and did my course and passed it and did my first game and definitely missed a red card in my first game. But we'll, we'll go over that very quickly. <laughs> um, my dad came and watched and I think he was a bit like, oh gosh, like, here we go. And he came, <laughs> he came along like my first few games. And, and I think he said like, it was just so weird watching me because he's there as a dad, not a referee. Um, even though he was meant to have his referee hat on, meant to be helping me and, and coming away. And, um, but yeah, they're both really supportive and, and, I probably kind of thought, you know, I was just going to prove a point at first to to kind of prove that females could referee and <laughs> probably by my first game didn't help very much doing that. But um, but yeah, um, did kind of prove that point. But yeah, it's all of us kind of do fell in love with it. And here we are, what is it, 11 years later now. And I'm so lucky to yeah, have had the experiences I've had and have my FIFA badge still. Um, and yeah, I was in the last 16 of the Women's Champions League um, two weeks ago now like if you had told that little girl who was doing her first game <laughs> and missed a red card that you know I'd be doing that 11 years later I, I would tell you yeah you're talking nonsense there's no chance <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did the journey look like for you in Scotland Vicky I can't say I'm all too familiar with with Scottish football what, what was the pathway like for you to get yeah, to um, where you have so I'm I'm still progressing that's still where I'm at but yeah um we have category seven to category one I think it was slightly different back then um the kind of um way it worked but yeah you kind of do like your probation year for a year so I was just doing kids football and and cracking on like that and um, so I would have been um 16 and a half kind of just about to turn 17 um and then was kind of in my last year of school so still focusing on that as well so it was mainly doing like kids girls and boys football um and I was doing a few lines mm-hmm. in the kind of women's SPL here, so the top level of women's football um, in, in Scotland, just doing the lines there. And then I went off to uni um, and did four years um, in, in Dundee um, at that. And I didn't take a step back because I was still progressing, but probably kind of just was focusing on education at the same time. Um, but I was still like progressing up. So I was starting to do more women's football, more women's football, um, in the lower leagues in the middle and working my way up um, and then really luckily started to get in, uh, appointments in the women's SPL and I was doing kind of men's lines um, so the men's um, at that point of time it was kind of the, the a lot lower kind of um, men's games and yeah and the way it works in Scotland is that once you reach the highest level of women's football you could then be nominated for FIFA so I'd been doing it for a few years by this point and I'd been extremely lucky and so grateful to get kind of cup final appointments and start doing you know the the kind of the league cup finals and things on the line Um, and then in 2017 and obviously passing fitness tests um the women's FIFA fitness tests um and starting to get a bit more involved they became kind of secretary at our local association and get involved kind of that way and the youth ambassador of referee and stuff and starting to really pick it up and get way more involved and passionate about the whole aspect of the game and not just being a referee but also developing people come through and being a referee coach and things like that and that obviously that's when people start to realize well you're you obviously are passionate and you want to do something here. So yeah, um, 2016, 
again, I must just be in public transport when I get phone calls, but <laughs> I was on the uh, on the underground in London and uh, got the phone call saying, would you be available tomorrow to come and do the women's fitness test? Um, and I was just like, well, uh, last minute, nice and yeah, integrated like, preparation. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd obviously just been like going through the list. Um, and I think, I can't remember, but I think they'd maybe already done some of the other fitness tests and they said, oh, you'll be running on your own. And I was like, oh, right. Uh, nobody likes fitness tests let it be on no let's be honest but, you know <laughs> I was like oh I don't want to run it on my own and I'd I call up my dad and said dad like I've had the phone call from Drew and they're asking me to come to the fitness test more and he was like that that could be quite an important fitness test Vicky at this point in time of year you know I think it was like September so yeah so again like just how supportive he is he came with me and ran the test with me it's like a walk in the park for him the women's test but anyway it's probably like you know it's, it's not as hard as the guys one um and yeah passed it and then they were like right okay well you have a week to go and get like your FIFA medical done as well so I had to go, go to Hamden and uh, get my medical done and, and stuff like that and then yeah the FIFA nomination went away and was incredibly lucky to find it in December I'd got my FIFA badge um wow. and then since then, yeah, since then I've obviously kind of been getting the, the FIFA matches and it is such a such a steep learning curve. I remember that first tournament and I was just like eyes wide open because it was a mini tournament, my first one. It was a FIFA World Cup qualifier for the qualifiers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Qualifiers, so, um, qualifiers. We have lots the, of those. Yeah, for the qualifiers, yeah, exactly. Tons of them um, over here in the Asian competitions. Yeah. You have like the qualifiers for the qualifiers for the qualifiers. Exactly, yeah. So this is the qualifiers for the qualifiers. And um, yeah, wow, um, eyes open. So I went with Lorraine, who um, at the time was one of our two. So Lorraine Morag, um, FIFA referees, and um, just the learning experience and the opportunities because there was obviously other um, U- UEFA officials there as well and just learning from their experiences like it's just incredible and I'm so lucky now to be able to bring that back from when I go away and bring clips back and things like that to now share with the girls who don't have those experiences because hopefully one day they will and you know maybe they won't quite have their eyes they still will well, I know they will but their eyes quite open quite as much as I did because you know they'll do all these kind of clips and things before and how intense this week is of training and, and things like that and um, but now, yeah, the progression for me now is to go up the men's game. I would like to be an assistant referee. I think it's so odd. My dad's like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then. And I'm like, yeah, I just enjoy it better. Um, and I go up the men's and hopefully kind of follow in, in Kylie McMullen's footsteps. So she was the first female in Scotland to, to go in the top men's league. So that's the, the aim of the game domestically, definitely. Amazing. That, that was such a, I can't believe how quick your nomination process was. Yeah. Hey, can you come run a fitness test uh, within six months? You know, you're refereeing uh, World Cup qualifiers, qualifiers. Um, Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it was, yeah, just insane. But yeah, like I said, just again, it seemed to just be the right time, right place. I obviously just really started showing that I was keen all of a sudden, um, like applying for all these things. And I think my name had just kind of, very luckily landed and they said oh hang on you know nominations are coming up and she's been doing really well at her matches and she's obviously starting to take it really seriously um but like I say refereeing as a whole rather than just refereeing as the game um and what I was getting involved with so yeah I think um was just very lucky and been on on the FIFA list ever since and yeah the opportunities that have come like I say last 16 Champions League two weeks ago 
unbelievable. Like a couple of years ago, we went to Madrid. We were doing Atletico Madrid a couple of weeks ago. It was Barcelona, but it was in it was in Denmark. But yeah, like and you're just seeing. I do like definitely get starstruck. Mm-hmm. It's so funny with some of the players. You know, we were doing. Atletico Madrid a few years ago and I was just like oh my god that's that's so and so and I was like eh, just stud control just stud check yeah blah blah and I know that my dad told similar stories of obviously Ronaldo and things like, like that but um, but yeah for me that was like these are also like the women stars that are yeah. coming through and um, I think it's yeah really important um, kind of going back to that stuff earlier from the Kilimanjaro stuff about role models and you can't be what you can't see Mm. And like even just like being there and being like, oh my gosh, that's uh, whoever so and so, and just uh, like being starstruck. But obviously, remaining totally professional <laughs> and calm while you're doing your stud control. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll, we'll touch on what is to come in the future a little bit later on because you know you've you've done so much already at, at such a young age, um, and there's such opp- opportunity. Uh, it's really really exciting, but. Before we move on to that, I want to touch on something you mentioned earlier, which is a bit of a personal interest here, was was the football boots for females. So I'm a football boot, yeah. football boot nerd. So when you mentioned that, <laughs> I'd seen it on your Twitter before. Tell us a bit more about those. It sounds like, sorry if this isn't interesting for everybody else, but for me, this is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's really all right, interesting. Jeff, we'll cut you out. <laughs> <laughs> and and I am by no way an expert. So if anybody is really interested, you like, should go on to IDA and see so it's IDA um, as the football boots. And they are, yeah, so cool. And it's just something I hadn't really appreciated before. So um, I was just talking to Ben and Laura when we were in Jordan and they had, what they called at the time the Frankenstein boot. It was the first um, prototype that they'd come up with and it was totally like rubbish and falling apart. And like, so yeah, it was the Frankenstein boot of the original um, one. And it was just, it was just really cool to see and to hear about it. And like you say, I, I hadn't appreciated, but yeah, you walk into a football store, you go up and you're, or, or sorry, a sports store and you walk up and you look and you go, football boots okay are they for men are they for women or like, what what is it and um obviously yeah they're mainly for men and there are women's boots out there they're hard to come by but with me I'm a size four UK so I've got really small feet so I actually have to wear kids boots and the quality of kids boots as well is just you know it's it's not up there they're not expecting somebody to be yeah running Kilimanjaro running Champions League and in kids boots are they so they do just fall apart after a while and they're just not the best quality um, so yeah, Ben and Laura were really passionate about creating a boot for women. And the more and more that they looked into it, the more and more there's science behind that. Obviously, we have different bodies. So we have different feet as well. So and like I say, I'm maybe going to get this wrong. So if people are really interested, they should go and look it up. But I think women have a wider um, front of your foot and a really uh, and a narrower heel. Um, so in the boot, if you're wearing a men's boot, your foot's going to move about. It's not going to fit properly. And actually, they they are thinking that it could be connected to why there's such a higher percentage of um, ACL injuries in women's football, just because we're wearing the total wrong footwear and it doesn't fit us right. And and it could be potentially adding to kind of, yeah, joint issues, muscle issues, our knees, our feet, everything probably aren't quite right. So, yeah, so it was just something that was really interesting. And, yeah, I got a pair um, of, of IDAs and they sent them all the way over from Australia took and it was right and my pair were sent literally right after COVID started 
So I think oh. it took them like six or seven weeks to arrive. I had to wait ages. And then obviously I couldn't even go out and referee because it was uh, COVID. But I definitely got out there and got training in them and started kind of wearing them in. And at first I was like, oh, these are like really tight. But then I was like, actually, do you know what? It's probably just that they fit. Yeah. <laughs> for the first different, time ever, I probably feeling. actually got a pair of yeah it's probably actually for the first time and now it's totally like I'm totally used to it now I just thought at first oh these are a bit you know snug like but actually it probably was just that yeah. it's actually really fitting around my heel for the first time ever um and yeah um yeah really like them and there's they're they're obviously still constantly improving and I think they've brought out a futsal boot now as well so um and it's the I'm going to get it wrong but I think it's maybe the AFL different type of league yeah in, Aussie in Rose, yeah. Aussie Rose yeah. yeah so um so like boots for all that so yeah it's cool that's amazing that's really cool yeah and how good's that LA that's uh done by a couple of Aussies I know right it's a, it's absolutely amazing I mean the the girl the the, the women's AFL here is pretty big oh, it's it's so huge. it does not surprise me that it comes from a couple of Aussies cuz the league it's huge makes great numbers it's great league great competitive league so definitely not surprising but it's funny that like, the story of the Frankenstein book kind of reminded me of Shoe Dog. I don't know if you if you read the the book oh. about the story of Nike. I'm not, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's the same thing, you know. Everyone starts like that. There was this very this uh, athletic boot nerd that started putting together, rediscovered this particular athletic shoes, and look where they are now. So yeah, didn't the Nike Air Jordan yeah. started from a waffle maker or or something yes. like that? Yes. <laughs> oh really? It's, yeah it's just so like it was so cool just seeing the original boot and now also owning like where they've got to now and I'm really excited to see what what kind of comes next because they're obviously still a very early startup company and what they're learning still and I'm sure there's kind of more to come and, and what I was going to say is it's exciting because Laura's actually moved back to Europe now so they're able to expl- expand globally kind of without even having meant it so Ben's still based in Australia and really focusing on the AFL and futsal and, and football in Australia and Laura's now able to kind of focus and I think we've got um, a kind of distributor in the US now as well so definitely uh, getting out there. That's awesome it's really cool and surely you know the big brands the Nikes uh, Adidas Puma well uh, they will have to start making a woman's range soon right if, if yeah. the science backs all of this up it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah why would you not? Definitely. I mean the superstars like Messi and Ronaldo they get their boots molded to their feet yeah. And you know, that's one, two people on the planet. If you can actually cater for half of the population. Yeah. It's it exactly. And it, it's just the fact of like, they definitely do make them, but it's like, but where are they sold? Because I can't find them in stores. <laughs> so yeah, like, where are they and what are they doing? And, and it would really be interesting to hear, like, even, I think, I think hearing the science behind it was really interesting to me. And I just hadn't appreciated before, like, all the technical aspects behind it. And I think, like that is something that would have been really interesting to have heard from one of the big guys. But do you know what? It's actually really nice to to kind of have Ida and hear their startup story. Yeah, and their Franken boots and their everything and, and where and how they've got to where they are. And it's just really nice, nice story. You may have seen that we've launched a second Ref Coach podcast in our feed. We're really excited to bring you the Coaching Corner. The Coaching Corner is a podcast with short educational episodes which focus on different areas of refereeing. We hope that the ref coach community will find them useful and are able to learn something to apply to their own refereeing. Good luck out on the park. So, Vicky, it's all happening. You've been up Kilimanjaro. You've told us about your 
career so far and um, getting a FIFA You've badge. literally been up and down. You've been up and then down. And- <laughs> Very good, Ali. Very good. <laughs> but what about the future? What's next? What are your goals? Where do you want your career to go? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's kind of just continuing on, hopefully. And um, yeah, so I, I want to continue up the men's game as well. So and, and the women's game, what I can do and what there's still, you're always learning. I think even, yeah, I think even Howard Webb, et cetera, said, you know, you're still always learning. Even when you've done a World Cup mm. final, you're still always learning, et cetera. So, yeah, so I'm still obviously learning every single day. And, um, yeah, so in the women's game, would just love to keep progressing and be fun and see where, see where I get, like, like yeah, like I said, did I ever think I would ever get to the last 16 of Champions League 11 years ago? Definitely not. That is eyes wide open there. Um, and whatever I can continue with, and really lucky to have some fantastic females in Scotland that I work alongside and we wouldn't get the games um, if we weren't all such a good team and, and they were such fantastic officials as well. So um, Kylie's got to the World Cup a uh, couple of years ago in France and um, Lorraine went to the Euros. So um, hopefully they keep going as well and we can keep um, progressing as a team. And then in the men's game, um, I'm doing kind of lines in the, the the Lowland League in East of Scotland that we have here. So it's the semi-professional leagues um, and just want to keep progressing up. Um, I'm currently what we call a category four development in the men's leagues. And um, yeah, just keep progressing. And, and aim of the game is to hopefully end up in a position like Kylie maybe one day and, you know, running the lines in the, in the top men's league in Scotland. But it's a lot of hard work to get there. So uh, I'm a lot of Love competition, which is good because competition only makes us better. And um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely, and obviously, we've got a World Cup coming up in Australia in a couple of years. Might be, might be a mm. bit soon. I'm not sure where it is after that, but um, maybe yeah. that's that's got to be one of your goals. Oh, definitely. Would obviously love to go to World Cup and kind of yeah again following Kylie's footsteps again. Like Kylie is a really good friend as well, and like it's just so funny and we actually have running jokes with with Kaylee about did, did you did you know that she went to World Cup yeah yeah she went to World Cup and like when we land we were, were doing a game in, in France last year and we landed in Paris and like just by chance there was um, a red carpet and she was like oh good good to see they knew that I was coming and blah 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 because obviously it was in France and we were all laughing blah blah but no but genuinely like yeah obviously a World Cup would be absolutely amazing and would be the absolute dream but yeah it's um it would be a wee while off for me yeah um but yeah definitely i'm like looking up flights already like where in australia am i going for to to watch this world cup i went to one game in france and went to the scotland england game which obviously oh, um, oh, yeah. was, was not great for us but um <laughs> but yeah it was cool to go to and watch um and uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely up there. I think it'll be it'll be awesome um, for football out here having the Women's World Cup, but just awesome for Australia, especially given everything that's gone on. You know, it'll probably yeah. be one of the first events, hopefully, where you can have fans. Now the Olympics aren't going to have fans, so it'll be huge. Yeah. You know, Aussies love their sport, and and we're lucky that the Matildas are up there with as one of the best teams in the world. We've got some you know amazing players with Sam Kerr, Steph Catley, so. I think everyone will be really yeah. getting behind the Matildas um, when that comes out here. And, and what about refereeing in Scotland? You know, for females, you, something you're very, very passionate about and, and you're, you mm. know, championing that. You've talked about you. it's hard for people to do things they can't see, but, you know, you were lucky enough to have 
examples for you to follow. And now there's no doubt that, yeah. you know, I'm sure there's young females and, and referees together who are looking up to you and saying, I could do that one day. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to think that. It's so funny because I definitely like, don't think of, <laughs> I'm like, it's just me. But no, but like definitely like I, I'm so um, passionate about that. And I think um, a team in Scotland actually used to have that on the back of their tops, a team called Glasgow City. And you can't be what you can't see. And I just think it is so important because, yeah, I had like my dad and stuff. I had a lot of, a lot of fake uncles coming through, like who were referees, obviously. So I had that kind of, but. Um, it was like Morag and Lorraine and there was only yeah very very few females coming through and yeah it, it, it's just something that I became really passionate about and in our area in Edinburgh we kind of put something in in 2015 2015-2016 uh, because we only had three females and it kind of been the three females for about eight years or something or seven years like it just stayed static no movement and we just put in like a support network because I felt that was all like it sounds something really silly and really easy but when you go to training and you're training with 50 guys and there's only you and like obviously when I was 16 17 coming through I was always last as well because yeah just the girl try to keep up with the guys who are really fit and like try to run and it's just it can be a bit demotivating and we just said you know what why don't we just put in like this really easy simple support network of you know, when a new female comes through, we just link up one of the more experienced females with the new female and like they can be a buddy. And then why don't we just make like a WhatsApp group of like, so like they can all speak and, you know, they don't feel like, I think, and I'm, oh, I'm speaking, but maybe you guys are like, no, but like when you came through and started, it was, you just felt like every, every question was like a stupid question. But let's be honest, we yeah. probably all asked those questions yeah. when we were coming through. <laughs> yes. And I think as a female as well, you're like, oh, I don't want to ask the guys because they're also going to think, what a stupid female asking the question, Bola. So it was nice to have even just that female WhatsApp group, which, like I say, started with like three of us. And now in, in our area in Edinburgh, I think, okay, it's still a really small number, but I think we're up to like 16, 17, probably like 11, 12 of us are actually active. But like, that's a massive increase in, in only kind of five or six years. And actually we just had a class a couple of weeks ago and had four females come through and um, that. So like if that's adding four on, we're nearly doubling again. So uh, yeah, it's just so important about advertising and getting out there. So we are, and we're trying to kind of replicate that all around the country and have like a women's ambassador at each association and feeding that back in. So they're um, to the kind of youth ambassadors of change and things and programs like that. And to the, um, Scottish FA referee operations department about what can we do um, how do we increase it because it is about that recruitment and one of the bits that I'm starting to get a bit more passionate well I was always passionate about but I think we had to start somewhere and before it was about recruitment and really we need to drive that and get more females in the game and in Scotland um, but actually now and, and about retention as well but actually now it's about progressing them because what I've started to see because, and it's a really good thing, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. It's a really good thing in Scotland because the women's leagues just started to go professional. So only a few of the teams are now professional. Some of them are semi-professional. Some of them are just doing it for fun, which is great. Um, and the refereeing's always been, um, it was a, we weren't paid the most. Um, so you were always getting the lower categories. You were getting your cat fives, cat fours, things like that, refereeing it. And because of the professional nature, they've now gone and said, look, we'll pay more if we can get the higher categories. 
So they've now equated it to like the men's semi-professional league, the lowland football. But most of the female referees are category five. So now the women's football is probably going to be refereed by mainly men because of the category. Uh, that's a bit of a challenge. If, if that makes sense, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm trying to. Yeah, explain. I understand. Um, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were a bit like, oh, but we want to referee the women's football. But at the end of the day, it is going to make us better and it is going to push us on. So it's good. It's good in a way that's going to be competitive and we need to move and we need to develop and we need to progress up the, ca- the men's categories and, you know, get up to that standard and then we can referee it again. And that's just the top level. Obviously, the, the lower levels below that, they can still referee and it will make us better. But obviously, just now, in the short term, it's like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, last year, some of the girls were doing the cup finals and things like yeah. that. And now they're not even refereeing in the league. So it's a bit of, yeah, a double-edged sword. But I think it is important and is in the long term, a step in the right direction. So for me now, it's actually saying to the girls, right, what are we doing? What are you doing fitness-wise? What's your goals? What's your aspirations? Yeah. So yeah, we now have a nice little cohort. What what are we now doing to progress them? And so we can, yeah, have more role models and have people more widely seen and progress up those leagues. And I think it is still really important to have that recruitment and retention bit. But I think we've started to get that and it can start to, you know, progress itself like um, domino effect. But yeah, now it's about those girls who are in, in those positions and what can we do now to help and assist, you know. So in two years' time, if they do decide to stop refereeing, which is, that's fine if that's what they want to do. But they can't say that they weren't given the opportunities to try and progress. Yeah. It's what can we do to help? And yeah, really passionate in like our WhatsApp groups about saying, right, here's clips. Let's watch clips. Let's do this. Let's, um, who wants to go out training today? Who has been training? Obviously, it's been really hard over the last year because yeah. 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 we can't go so far from our houses, etc. But it is like, yeah, who who's doing these challenges? Who's Let's do it all together. It's really nice to have like a little female group and we can put a little video together or whatever and put out onto the socials um for our association things like that and just trying to keep in touch um and we have our scottish fa female training days as well so that's scotland wise uh, wide sorry and that's um nice to kind of see but again it's i think i can't remember again the exact numbers but i think there's something like 150 female referees in scotland but probably there's only like 20 25 that are actually active so it's not not the numbers do need to increase and we do need to push on with that. But, um, but yeah, I think that's a massive discrepancy. Yeah. It's um, yeah. And, and it's just, it's really tough because we are obviously all volunteers as well. Like I'm not paid for like, apart from doing my actual games, it's all just about, yeah, being interested in wanting more females in the game. And yeah, like yeah. I say, it is, it is about, it's about passion, but also it is about um, having more competition out there because it shouldn't just be, you know, that, the four or five FIFA girls get X, Y, and Z games. It shouldn't be. There should be the competition out there. And um, we only have one FIFA referee at the moment, Lorraine, and she's obviously doing amazing. She's at the elite category at UEFA. Um, but who's next? Who is next? And, and and we need that referee to start coming through soon. And there's some really, really good young referees coming through at the moment, which is really good to see. And hopefully there might actually be a bit of competitiveness because they're all kind of similar age. So it'll be um, really interesting to see. Um, and it's good, It's good, um, obviously, to have that and, and challenge each other to be the best that you can be. So, yeah, I think that's kind of what, what's next is keep up the recruitment retention, but also to really start looking at how can we help the girls who are coming through um, and how can we push and progress um, to be the best group of female officials that we can be in Scotland and do the best for the games that we officiate on. 
Vicky, it was amazing to talk to you for the past hour. You was passion from every single part of you. It's fantastic. It's it's so inspiring. And I think for the future of Scottish referees, not just for female, but for everyone, all new referees, there is a fantastic role model. Because uh, you can tell you love what you do. Everything from refereeing to equal playing field. And it's so good to see people like you involved in what we love in refereeing. It's great. We always talk about showing the humans behind the whistle and what a great human you've proved to be. <laughs> you, you've showed us to be in this, in this hour. So thank you very much for being with us. It's been outstanding. It's not like you talk to a, to someone that holds two world records uh, <laughs> in one night. So <laughs> thank you very much. We really appreciate you giving us uh, your time. Uh, all the best for, for your career and thank you again it's been it's been amazing no thank you for having me on and, and listen to me yab on for an hour no thank you very much <laughs> no yeah Ren, it's been amazing <laughs> amazing like Carlo said it's not often you speak to someone who holds two world records uh, over zoom for an evening so thank you very very much for your time Vicky thank you if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more hit the subscribe button For more referee education, join our Facebook group and become a RefCoach member for free at refcoach.org. If you like the work we do, you can support us by purchasing a RefCoach whistle to show that you are part of the RefCoach community when you're out on the pitch.